Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. with us for over the past month or so, we've been in a series entitled Follow. And we've been kind of unpacking what it really means to be an authentic and devoted follower of Christ. What, what it entails and what it takes, what is required to really be an authentic follower of Christ. And over these weeks, I've shared with you that one of the prerequisites to being a follower starts with you have to be a sinner. That's a request. That's a prerequisite. If we if we look at the Bible and we look at the people that walk with Jesus, his first disciples were sinners and tax collectors, because you know that was a separate category according to New Testament. We also realize that you didn't have to be or you don't have to be a believer in order to be a follower of Christ. The the, the Bible tells us that 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 many of the most many of the disciples who followed Jesus did not believe at first. As a matter of fact, it took for him to come back before doubting Thomas says, maybe this is real. Maybe you really did die and come back for us. Maybe you really are the Messiah. So it doesn't require you to be a believer in order to be a follower. And then Pastor Starbull shared with us so eloquently last week that it requires sacrifice, major sacrifice. It requires even putting your family second or perhaps even third in line. Being an authentic follower of Christ requires serious sacrifice, serious work. But guess what? You can do it and we can do it together. I also share with you the difference between a Christian and a disciple. We know that Jesus didn't come here to make Christians. As a matter of fact, if we look up in the, in the New Testament, the word Christian is only used three times. But there's this word, this beautiful word that's there that's used over 269 times when it references the people that Jesus came to create. And that word is disciple. He came to make disciples. Now, how do you know which boat you lie on? I've shared with you this as well. Christians, we behave well. We believe well. We follow the law. We don't get in trouble. But we're not discipling anyone. And if that's you, you check the Christian box. A disciple is a disciple maker. You're spending time in word and prayer. And, and, and you're spending time with, with, with real accountability with someone for an extended period of time, making sure that they get all that Christ has to offer. Now, if that is you, congratulations. You don't have as much work to do. 
But if I recall, many of us still check the Christian box because we're not discipling anyone. And, and my brothers and sisters, I just want to tell you before we get right into what I want to talk about today, that if we're not doing that, if we're just showing up on Sunday morning, if we're just praying, if we're just reading our Bible, if we're just doing those things but not discipling anyone, then I think that we still have a lot of room to grow in order to meet what Jesus is requiring of all of us. Amen? Now, this message is not to step on your toes. If I do, just say, ouch, but you don't have to do it audibly. Just say it up under your breath, all right? But listen, this is to stretch us all, including myself, your pastor, to a place where I can confidently and boldly say that I am a disciple. No matter how much word or scripture I memorize, no matter how often I stand behind here, if I am not personally spending my life and my time discipling somebody, I too have missed what Jesus has called us to do. Amen. Let us pray. Eternal and gracious God in heaven, thank you this morning for this wonderful opportunity to share your word, God, a word that you've prepared, God. I pray more than anything today that the image that the people see looks a lot like yours. And the voice that they hear sounds a lot like yours. Oh, God, these words that I share, please let me articulate them in a way that it causes impact and change to happen in the hearts of those in attendance today. God, if you would, I know your presence is already here, but if you would do me a favor and bless this place this morning from center to circumference so that when we leave here, we can say without a doubt, we are indeed followers and disciples of the risen Christ. God, if you do me those things today, I promise to give you all the praise and the glory. I take none for myself. In Jesus' name, all those agreed would say amen. Amen and amen. It's Father's Day. And so today is the conclusion of the follow series. And we said it takes sacrifice. It takes a lot of things to be an authentic follower of Christ. But beyond anything else... In order to do all of those things that's required for you to do, you have to have radical faith. Not just faith. It has to be radical faith. And so as I was doing my reading and, 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 and research and, and, and doing my expository study of the book of Mark, I come across Mark 5. And there's a man in Mark 5 by the name of Jairus. Now, Jairus was not a follower of Christ. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he was a synagogue leader. Now, let me explain, like I did last week, the difference between the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They were all a part of a group called the Sanhedrin. And now the, 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 the Sadducees, they controlled the temple. And in order to be a Sadducee, it had to be in your lineage meaning your great-granddaddy had to be a Sadducee. It wasn't enough for you to memorize law. It wasn't enough for you to just uh, show your pedigree and where your lineage came from. You had to be in the lineage of other Sadducees. But in order to be a Pharisee, you had to memorize and know law, but also be able to trace your heritage all the way back to one of the original 12. And that's what was required for a Pharisee. And now here we have Jairus, a Pharisee, qualified, hated Jesus like his counterparts did, calling upon him for an emergency situation. Let me go to you with some scriptures so we can make this plain for you. 
If you are taking notes, and I have them for you there, if you need a pen, raise your hand and we'll put one in your hand. If you're taking notes, the scripture is there. If not, you can trek with me if you have a Bible. If not, use your mobile app. We also have that. There's no excuse why you don't have the word in your hand this morning. And if that don't work, look at the screen. We'll have scripture up there for you. We're going to make sure you have the word today. I'm going to be reading from Mark 5. I want to read verse 21 through 23. Then I want you to hold that spot and then jump down to 35 and 36. And the word is this, and I'm reading the New Living Translation. It says, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue whose name was Jairus arrived. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, my daughter is dying. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Verse 35 and 36, while he was still speaking to her, and this is Jesus speaking to a woman he had just healed uh, of a hemorrhage she had for 12 years. This is while he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and they told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them, and he said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just have faith. Don't be afraid, just have faith. Jairus, the synagogue leader, several chapters before this one, if we we, we look at chapter around three or so, Jairus is with his Pharisees plotting to kill Jesus because he healed somebody on the Sabbath day. And they're getting together, having this meeting, saying, you know what? I've had enough of his shenanigans. He keeps breaking the laws. He knows better. I've had enough of all of this stuff he's doing. Listen, we need to kill him. Jairus is a known leader in this city of Capernaum, which is where this event occurred. He's known there. He's plotting to kill Jesus. He's with his friends. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do, what weapon they're going to use to do it. They want to take him out. But here he finds himself in a place where my daughter is dying. I've tried the doctor. Didn't work. They gave me some medication that normally heals people with this stuff. That didn't work. I tried some soothsayers underneath the radar so that my other Pharisee brothers wouldn't see me doing this. That didn't work. But oh, baby. I've heard about this guy named Jesus who in chapter 1 of Mark was healing people. I've heard about this guy named Jesus who, who actually restored the limb of somebody. I've heard about this guy named Jesus who ta- caused a storm to stop. All of this happens in Mark before Jairus faced this tremendous tragedy where his daughter was dying. Now, fathers in the building, let me talk to y'all just for a second. Mothers, I don't even have to ask because I know. Let something happen to your child. Is there anything you would not do to protect your child? Is there any, any, any measure you wouldn't go over to protect or provide for your child? Any, any fathers would disagree with that? Let me share a story. 
Y'all know the snowstorms we just had not too long ago, right? My son, Ja'Kai, goes to East Cobb Middle School. The weather was bad, as y'all know. Traffic was jammed up everywhere. You couldn't get anywhere. My son didn't have a cell phone. I couldn't get to him. I found out that the kids at East Cobb had to stay the night. I couldn't talk to him. The first thing I told Erica, baby, I'm going to walk to get my son to safety. I don't care if it takes me the rest of the day, the rest of the evening to know that my son is safe. I will walk from here 20 miles there to get my baby. And here is this man, Jairus, who does the same thing. If you are taking your first note, if you are taking notes, I want to get you somewhere. If you are taking notes, the first note is, watch this, the first note is radical faith is born out of desperation. Radical faith is born out of desperation. So you don't realize how great your faith is until you're to a place where all you have is Jesus. See, many years ago, I found myself in the same place where I didn't know which way I was going. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I was confused. I was lost. I was heartbroken. I didn't know anything. But all I knew was Jesus. And for the first time, I found myself desperate for something greater than where I was at. Many of you all came to Christ in the same manner. See, I know some of you grew up in church and you used to go to church five days a week because your mom and dad had you in there. I understand that. But that wasn't my story. See, it was optional for me to sit up in a church somewhere. It was optional. But when I got depressed and was in a dark place and I couldn't think well and I got to a place where I couldn't make my own decisions, I got to a place where my mother saw this is a desperate measure. What am I going to do with my son laying up on my couch? Will you come to church with me? And out of her desperation and me being desperate for something greater than what was current in my life at that time, I found Jesus. I called upon Jesus. Some of you have gotten there even in your personal lives, whether it be your marriage, whether it be your relationship uh, uh, with, with, with your boo thing, whether it be your finances, whatever it is, whether it be your career, you've gotten desperate. They were handing out pink slips. They walked by your cubicle. Your heart started beating. Are they going to turn back around? Somebody knows what I'm talking about this morning. You've been there, and the only name you knew to call was Jesus. Radical faith is born out of desperation. Here it is, Jairus, a distinguished man in his community, risking everything. His crew are haters of Jesus. His people are people that don't like him. He was in a meeting with them plotting to kill Jesus. But here it is. My baby needs me. Tell you what, forget about my pedigree today. Forget about my status today. Forget about my reputation today. Forget about my job today. Forget about my degree today. Forget about my pockets today. Forget about all that. My baby needs me. I've tried everything else. Let me see if this Jesus thing will work. 
And to be an authentic follower of Christ, it requires that radical type of faith. We're telling you to be an authentic follower of Christ, it requires sacrifice. To be an authentic follower of Christ, it means more than wearing the I love Jesus t-shirt or the what would Jesus do bracelet and having the fish on the back of your car. To be an authentic follower of Christ, it means putting him before even your own family. We're saying you got to do that, but the only way you can do that is to have the kind of radical faith where you're always constantly got Jesus on your heart and on your tongue. He needs to be the constant, the one and only constant in your life. We need to constantly be desperate for Jesus in the same way that Jairus is desperate. We're praying for this community because I'm desperate for this community. I don't care if these seats never get full, but if people out there are being taken care of, if children are doing better in school because they have something to eat today, if, 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 if mothers are in a house not worrying about uh, looking out the window to see if the repo man is out there getting ready to get her car, and we are part of helping them in that change, baby, I'm good. We need to be desperate for children in this community, whether you are a parent or not. Every child in this community is your child. We need to have that same desperation just like Jairus. Just like Jairus. We need to be desperate to make a change. Watch this. It needs to, it needs to bother us when we see people who don't believe in Christ. That needs to bother us when we see people lost or disconnected. That should bother you. You should be comfortable with that. It should bother you when you see on the news that the mayor of the city of Atlanta took a bulldozer and moved all of the homeless people from under a bridge that nobody sees. But they're closing shelters. You should be mad about that. It should bother you that Atlanta ranks at the top when it comes to child sex trafficking. Listen, I know you're saying, no, somebody else's kids. No, they're your kids. Why are they your kids? Because they're Jesus' kids. And he makes us responsible and accountable. You should be bothered when they say Georgia ranks in the bottom 50 states when it comes to education. That you should not be sleeping on that. It should bother you. And the reason it doesn't bother a lot of us Christians is because it's not happening in my house. Can I, can I be honest about it? Huh? Can I be honest? Thank you, AC. The AC hears me well. Until it comes to your doggone door, it doesn't bother you. Somebody's going to fix it. The police will get on it. That's somebody else's business. But it should bother you to the point where it's like, I've got to do something. If I don't do nothing, if me, Broderick, if I don't step up and do something, nothing's going to happen. If Starbucks says, I don't do uh, anything, nothing will happen. It needs to bother you personally. And we have to be desperate for all people the same way Jesus was. Listen, listen. I see what's going on. Y'all looking at this word desperation in in a worldly sense, Right? No, desperate. No, no I'm, not, I'm not talking about desperation like hashtag thirsty. No, we're not talking about that. Yeah, y'all know what I'm saying. No, we're not talking about. I'm talking about, listen, if he doesn't show up, if he does, is not the center, the head, and the bottom of my life, listen, nothing will change. If, if I need to be that desperate, not thirsty, but desperate for Christ. And we need to be that. Watch this. Watch this. Desperate followers give dignity Give up dignity for deity. And that's what Jairus did. 
He was desperate for his daughter. I'm going to give up my dignity because I want the deity. I want Jesus. I want God. Watch this. Desperate followers go against the status quo. There was a guy who was a chief tax collector uh, in the Bible in the New Testament by the name of Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus, uh, he was desperate for Jesus. He heard he was in town, but he was too short to see him. And the crowd was big. So Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, a respected man in that area by some, but not all because he was a tax collector, climbed up a tree just so he can get a glimpse of Jesus because he heard from somewhere that Jesus was hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. So he climbed up in a tree just to get a look. Jesus walks by and calls him out, hey, Zacchaeus, you come on down. I want to have dinner at your house tonight. You see what happens when we get desperate for Jesus? He picks us out amongst the crowd. See, when we get desperate for Jesus, there'd be a whole bunch of people shouting amen and hallelujah, but I'm desperate. He says, I see you, Gerald. I hear you, Gerald. I see you, James. I hear you. I see you, Elizabeth and Gus. Listen, when we get desperate, he picks you out of the crowd. We need to get desperate for Jesus. That's the one way we can be authentic followers. Listen, desperate followers don't argue about what God does or how he does it. Ooh, God, I've been praying for, for 10 years. I've been praying this same prayer for 10 years. Where you at? Lord, I've been coming to you. I done wrote it down. Pastor say, write it on the mirror. I do that. And where you at? I've grown patient, Lord. It's been, it's been 12 years, and I'm just tired, and I need you to respond in my life. Where you at? We don't complain about what he does and how he does it. Think about the blind guy that we talk about in the New Testament, right? He was blind sitting out there. Jesus walks up to him, right? He's blind. He can't see, but he can hear well. And he hears this noise. Y'all know the story I'm talking about. The blind guy, Jesus spits, makes mud, and I'm sitting there. If I'm blind, I'm like, what are you going to do with that? What are, whoa, 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 don't touch me with that. No, the blind man was like, man, put it on me. He didn't question God about how he was going to heal him. He just wanted the healing. He was desperate. When you're desperate, you don't argue with God about how he's responding in your life. You just be obedient. Y'all catch that. Plus rewind on the iPod and come back to the first point. Y'all will get that in a minute. When you are desperate, you don't worry about how he's responding or how he's not responding. You're just obedient knowing, watch this, he's not a promise breaker. He makes promises and keeps them. If anybody in here can say y'all made that, 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 that Jesus has left y'all hanging any time, you raise your hand and we'll pray and I'll show you where he didn't. But you got to show your whole testimony and I can point out where he didn't. Watch this. We need to be desperate beyond comfort, desperate beyond reputation, desperate beyond tradition, desperate beyond cosmetics, desperate beyond emotions, desperate beyond reason, desperate beyond the good fellowship of friends and family. We need to be desperate enough to risk ridicule, desperate enough uh, to risk failure. We need to be desperate to not care about what you think about me when I call upon my Jesus. Listen. They told me the other day I was in the school. Amen. They told me the other day I was in the school. This kid was acting up. I says, can I pray for him? He says, no, can you take him in a room? But this kid was acting out. He needed prayer. I says, I'll tell you what. Y'all just go ahead. I'm going to apologize later. I'm going to pray for this young man. He needs it. He's asking me. When a child takes the time and says, Pastor, can you pray for me? I know there's separation of, 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 of state and, and religion and all of this stuff. Listen, check me out later. I'm desperate. This kid's desperate. I'm going to introduce him to Jesus right now, and you can call me out for it later. 
Or when somebody meets me in a Starbucks and we just talking, and they say, what do you do? I say, I'm a pastor. And they say, can you pray? I don't say, let's step outside. I don't want nobody to see. Let's do this thing right now. Right now. Would Jesus take you to a quiet room and pray? Absolutely not. He'd pray for you right there on the spot. We need to be that same type of desperate. We let not what the world says get in our way. I'm not, I'm not trying to make y'all go to jail or nothing like that because we can't bail you out. Okay, we'll visit you. Put something in your, in your, in your commissary. But we listen, what I'm trying to say is we have to be the change. They're taking prayer away from everything, y'all. The Capitol building. Listen, and then in Georgia, you can carry a gun everywhere except for where? The courthouse. Well, y'all going to protect y'all, but it's okay for them to bring a gun into my church. It's okay for them to bring a gun into school. It's okay to bring a gun everywhere else, but you, can, but you make sure you can't bring a gun into the federal courthouse. They just passed that law for those who don't know that, where you can carry a gun anywhere if you have a license or permit. It's okay. At a time when people are killing people for no reason because they're depressed. Because they can't get their way. Because you couldn't give me time off. Y'all saw what happened at UPS. The kid shot up all of his coworkers. Why? Because he couldn't get a day off. What? And you're saying it's okay for me to bring a gun anywhere. And we as Christians, we're sitting on our hands like, oh, what a shame. What a shame. When we need to be out there on the courthouse steps making a change. We need to start a movement. I do it by myself. Y'all know I will. Y'all just know I will. I'm off the tape. G-Money, you know it, right? We need to be desperate for our faith. We need to be desperate for our community. We need to be desperate for our families. We need to be desperate for this church. Let me move on to your second point. I can go all day about radical faith being born out of desperation. Here's my second point. Radical faith is total dependence on Jesus. I have growing to do, confession. I do. Not ashamed to say it. Because even me, your, your pastor, I find it hard at times, sometimes, to really have 100% buy-in to this thing called faith. See, I'm good. Got a little money in the bank. Church is doing well. We got a little money in the bank. Things are looking good. Man, I'm, I'm doing all right. But let an emergency happen. And I have to use that money in the bank. And then let one happen right after that. I got to use that money in the bank and try to find some other money. Now I'm putting in applications and resumes again. Because the carnal side of me, the father, the husband, the provider, the lover, the protector that God has called me to be as a husband and father comes out. And I naturally do what's right for me. But then Jesus says, "Mm, there you go again. You can't be independent and dependent. Don't work that way. Either you're going to let me run and rule and reign over your life, or you're going to do it on your own. It can't be part-time, I believe in Jesus and have faith, and sometimes I don't. It has to be all in. That is why it is radical faith. And as I shared with you all before, I'm a practicing Christian. I'm trying to get it right. And if I'm trying, I know some of y'all are really trying. But it's a requirement. It is a requirement that we have radical 
dependence on him, 100% total dependence. Every step, every decision you make, you need to go to him in prayer and say, God, is this what you want me to do? And then here's the other part you got to do. You have to respond accordingly. If he, you say that prayer and he puts a burden on you, you ain't got time to think you need to start packing and doing what he called you to do. That's what makes you an authentic follower of Christ, depending solely on him for everything, everything. You mean to tell me all of this time and money I done spent in school? I need to depend on him for the rest? Absolutely. You mean to tell me that, you know, this thing, I can figure this thing out on my own. I've done it before. I have to depend on him for that too. Absolutely. But what about the, the, the successes I have in life? Do, do I have to give him? Absolutely give him credit for that because you didn't do it on your own. Yeah, I didn't say a prayer for it, but somebody else was praying for you. He deserves the glory, the honor, the praise for every single thing. But you have to take everything, every part of your life to him. And that's the problem with us here in, this, in, 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 our, in our country as Christians we, we, we've gotten comfortable with just being Christians because discipleship was too hard. I'm telling the truth. It's, it's much easier for us to just show up on Sunday and maybe attend a midweek service and read the Bible and make sure I'm on the prayer call and say prayers. It's, it's gotten real easy to, to, to wear my G, I Love Jesus t-shirt and what would Jesus do bracelet and put my fish on the back of the car. It's gotten really easy and check off the Christian box on there with pride. But, oh, discipleship, that requires work. That requires sacrifice. That word sacrifice is like a cuss word to many of us. You say sacrifice to somebody, you've offended them. But Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice. You got to remember that. He died for you and I. So what makes you think that he don't require the same things of us? Sacrifice. Sacrifice what's comfortable for you. Sacrifice what's, what's normal for you. And be totally, totally dependent upon God. That's a hard place to go. But here's the thing. We all should be working toward that. Amen? We all need to be working toward that. Watch this. Jairus risked everything. Went to Jesus. He didn't know if Jesus could really do it for him. Watch this, even bigger. Watch this. If it is true that Jesus is the Messiah, if it is true that he is all of these things, and I go to him, he knows that I don't like him. He knows who my crew is. He knows that we hate him. This is Jairus speaking. How in the H do I think that he's going to help me now? The courage and the audacity of Jairus in this moment and in this one moment, he became so naked spiritually and transparent and says, I depend solely on you. Take what's most precious to me and fix it. For Jairus, it was his daughter. For you, what is it that you need to be totally dependent on Jesus for in your life? Whatever it is, release it today. He was totally dependent on that moment that Jesus would heal him. Here's my final point. And this is this is this is really good right here. So what is radical faith? Radical faith is born out of desperation. 
Radical faith is total dependence on Jesus. Here's the final point. Radical faith is ever-growing and never-knowing. Radical faith is ever-growing and never-knowing. Now, I know that's a song lyric. Some of y'all are like, oh, I know that song. Okay, I didn't get it from there. But it's a fact. To be radically, to have radical faith, you are ever-growing. Let me tell you Jairus' story. Do you know this is the only incident where Jairus is mentioned? I don't know his outcome. I don't know that when he brought Jesus to his house, which is really a no-no for Pharisees, you don't come to my house, Jesus person. He brought him to his house to heal his daughter. I'm quite sure he was kicked out of the community. I'm quite sure that he was put out of the club. I'm quite sure they took his Pharisee membership if there was one. I'm quite sure that he forever had a stain. How do I know? Well, there was this one guy that I talked about before. His name was uh, Paul. Paul, just like Jairus, a Pharisee, totally denounced everything he knew and learned about being a Pharisee, gave his life to Christ. And what did they try to do? Did they high-five him? Did they just say, give me a membership card? No, they tried to kill that dude. Paul never took Jesus to his house. Paul never, he just went and talked about him. Jairus took Jesus to the house. What do you think happened? If we can just imagine for a moment what happened after that encounter. They probably were gunning for the homeboy. Did he grow spiritually? Absolutely. Watch this. Let me show you what happens. Yes, he grew spiritually. He went from, I want to kill this guy a few chapters before to, will you heal my daughter? He does it. And what happens? What happens? I don't know. We don't know if he's a follower, but I, get, I, get, I bet you this. His belief changed. How do I know? Let me show you real quick so you know I'm not making this up. Watch this. Let's go to Scripture. Let's go to Scripture. Let's go to Scripture. This is the only time he's mentioned in the Bible. We don't know what happens after this event occurs, but I do know Jesus says this to him. Watch this. While he was still speaking to her, this is Jesus talking to the woman who had, uh, was healed from a hemorrhage. He says, the messengers arrived from Jairus' house. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. Ain't nothing he can do. Jairus, at that one moment, had an opportunity to say, you know what? I've wasted my time with this dude, but this is what happens. Watch this. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't, don't, don't be afraid. Just believe in me. You came to me, Jairus, because you've seen what I've done already. I've been through your temple before because if we read New Testament, Jesus did speak at the, the synagogue. I'm sorry, not the temple, but the synagogue in Capernaum. So we know he's had some type of relationship or connection with Jairus. Watch this. He says, have faith. What happened? Because this happened before he got to Jairus' house. Jairus says, come with me to my house. Now heal my daughter. I believe in you. Forget what they say that my daughter is dead. I believe you can heal her. 
I have faith in you. Come with me. Radical faith is ever growing, never knowing. And as we commit to taking this step of discipleship and walking this life out, we're going to constantly and forever be stretched outside of our comfort zone. Let me tell you how God works. God may not stretch you outside of your boundaries, but he certainly will stretch you outside of your comfort zone. He may not pull you outside of your boundaries all the time, but you can guarantee he will stretch you outside of your comfort zone. And when you are outside of your comfort zone, you are now in a zone of growth. You are in a place of growth. When, a, when you plant a seed into the ground, and some of y'all are gardeners, you know this. When you plant a seed into the ground, uh, there's not like a tube created for it to just easily sprout up. Whatever that is you plant into the ground has to push through dirt. It has to deal with changing temperatures. It has to deal with your responsibility or irresponsibility, if you forget to water it, uh, uh, to live. It dep- it's dependent upon you. Well, we are just like that seed planted in the earth. As we grow, we're going to be pushed to places uncomfortable. But that doesn't mean we quit. That doesn't mean we give up. That doesn't mean we stop believing. When you are uncomfortable, that's the best place to be because guess what, baby? You are growing. Being a pastor, man, he stretched me like never before. If you look over my life, and I actually have a parent here who could tell you, if you look over my life, pastor was not on my list. Nowhere at all. Didn't want a pastor. But God saw different. He took everything from my past. When I was studying Islam and I was learning how to fast and pray, he took that and says, you know what? That's what we do as Christians. That discipline that I was doing in Islam was really for his benefit. Everything that I did, oh, man, I thought I was gifted as a poet. I performed and and did slams all over the place. I thought I was a man. But he says, no, I'm going to use that because you're actually going to preach one day. God takes everything of our past, makes it redeemable for his good. And so he called me to be a pastor. And I was like, you are lying. There must be another Broderick Maurice Santiago in this world because I am not qualified. But thank God we serve a God who does not call qualified people. He qualifies those he calls. We are ever growing and never knowing what his plan is. Ever growing and never knowing what his plan is. Now, listen, just to recap, and then I want to pray us out right here. To be an authentic follower of Christ, listen, I'm not saying that it's easy. It's not. And if I read the Bible like you do, it's actually scary. Because when we look at those who were authentic followers of Christ, they died trying to be authentic followers of Christ. They risked it all just to get the gospel out so that we can sit in this place and read this Bible and share it with others and grow spiritually. So when I look at what it means to be an authentic follower of Christ, man, it's scary, yo. Can I be honest? It's scary. Think about our brothers and sisters over in China right now, the persecution that they're facing for just trying to worship. 
Think about our brothers and sisters in Egypt that have to get a tattoo on their wrist and have it covered because if they're revealed that they are Christians, they will be killed. Better yet, let's think about those 200 little girls that still are not home yet. Most of them are Christian believers forced to marry Muslim men under extreme circumstances. If you're not desperate for those people, ask God to check your heart. Ask God to examine your heart. If that doesn't bother you, that these little girls are still not home yet, ask God to examine your heart. Because we've got to do some surgery there. We've got to repair that. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.